0: You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. Well, hey, today we are closing out a sermon series or message series that we've been in the last few weeks called salty, called salty. Now, here's where that comes from. It comes from Scripture. um, But just to kind of summarize it real quickly, this is what salty means for us. It means this. Uh, It means what would it look like for us to live our lives that would be so, um, so flavored or so seasoned by the presence of Jesus that's on us and in us that it might compel those people around us to know and follow him. A lot of people in this moment and here in our online gathering, you go, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been a Christian since third grade VBS, seventh grade discipleship now, or last year, man, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And so here's what Scripture would call you and me to. You ready? Um, This is not like optional. This is just like this is part of the call that we would be so filled with the presence of Jesus, that we would be following him so accurately and so well that it would cause other people around us to also be compelled to know him and follow him as well. And so that's where really where our conversation has been. What would it look like for us to be salty? So we're going to continue that conversation today, um, one last week of this series from Colossians chapter 4. So if you have a, a hard copy of Scripture, digital copy of Scripture, i may invite you to go hang out there with us. If you don't have a copy of Scripture, all good. We're going to put some verses here on the screen or wherever you're joining the gathering so that you can um, stay along with us. But Colossians 4 is where we're going to be, and today is a big day. You didn't even know it was a big day, but it's a big day because we're... Up the book of Colossians. In fact, um, if you were with us back in January, some of you are new to our family since then, but back in January, we started with Colossians chapter one, and we walked all the way through all four chapters. We're gonna read the last verse today. Some of y'all thought we was never gonna get there, okay? But we made it. We're gonna get there and wrap up Colossians 4 today. Um, if you're somewhat new to our family or new to uh this series, uh, Colossians, just so you know, Colossians is a letter, so it's gonna read like a letter, written by Paul from prison. Catch that. From prison to a people at a place called Colossae. Um, Thus we get Colossians. And Paul writes this letter to this church, to these believers, and he's never even met them. But he's heard about their faith, and so he writes to encourage them to lift them up all while he's in prison. You're going to see that today. He's going to make one last reference to go, hey, I'm still in jail. Think about this. But, man, keep walking out your faith. And so now the final part of the letter, if you've read Colossians uh, or as we read it today, it's a little bit unique, okay? It's a little bit different than normal Bible stories because it's full of these greetings and like final statements. Like Paul signing off at the end of the letter. As I was reading this week, I thought it's kind of like when you go to your family's house for the holidays or like you got those really distant friends that you don't get to go see all the time. Or you go see Mama and Pawpaw, all right, and they're like six hours away. And you know what it's like, like you've been there, when you go to leave, you know how it works when you go to leave their house at the end of Christmas or Thanksgiving or uh, summer vacation, right? You leave, and, and the grandparents, what do they do? Well, like they hug the kids inside, one last time the grandkids, and then they hug them again at the door, okay? And then right before they get in the car, some of y'all, uh, you know what I'm talking about, they hug them one more time. Like just, and it's like, I got it, Grandma. I'll, you love me, okay? Uh, it's all good. That just means your grandparents love you, okay? Some of y'all, we feel you on that. Um, or, right? Or, or parents, they look at you before you hit the road to head back. That, hey, tell so-and-so, we said hello, tell them we're thinking about them, right? Or your friends will say, tell your mama and them, man, we've been praying for them, right? And that's what we say, because, why? Wow, we, we love one another, and we're, we're giving those final greetings, and then some of you, if you got family like my family, before you've even gotten off the road that they live on, they done called you one more time, right, because they forgot, some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, hey, we forgot to tell y'all, right? Come on back, get one more plate, okay? Why? Man, we, it's because we love one another. There's that, that final send-off, that final goodbye. And so that's what's happening in Colossians 4 today is we're going to read a lot of different names. It's just a final send-off where Paul's addressing these, all these different people that he loves. But here's what I want us to catch, okay? We're not going to dwell on every single name that we're going to read today, but here's what I want us to do. Paul lists some characteristics of these people that he's shouting out to, And really what Paul's listing is he's listing the characteristics of a salty life, of a life that's compelling, of a life that points people towards Jesus. And so we're going to identify five different of those characteristics for all my note takers, five different characteristics from this passage together. So go with me, Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 7 where we left off last week. Here's what Paul writes in his letter. He says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's going to tell you about what's happening with me in prison He said, he's a dear brother, he's a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, and I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he could encourage your hearts. Verse 9, he's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you, and they will tell you everything that is happening Here. Now, in these verses, we're going to stop right there. In these verses, Paul mentions two individuals, um, Tychicus, we'll call him Big T, all right? And then uh, little O, who's with him, Onesimus. And these men were mentioned first, why? Because they literally carried the letter of Colossians to Colossae, okay? Just like, reminder, no FedEx, no USPS in this moment, okay? Not even a Pony Express yet, all right? They are literally carrying the letter to the church at Colossae. In fact, um, some of the commentators help us see that Tychicus and Onesimus are believed to have left Rome and traveled to Colossae, and they are carrying letters to the church at Colossae, to the church at Ephesus, to another place called Laodicea, and they're also carrying a letter to Philemon. So, like, they're making the most of their trip. It'd be like if your Uber driver picked up four different people going to four different locations, okay? A little uncomfortable in the back seat, but that's what they're doing. And so Paul's like, hey, these guys... They're, they mean a lot to me, and he, in fact, uses two words. He used it about Tychicus, He also used it about Onesimus, two different verses, but he says the same thing. He called them dear brother. He says, my dear brother. Now, were they biological brothers? No, but here's what that meant as Paul addressed them that way. It meant that they had deep personal relationship together, okay? And so here's the first truth today. Write this one down. A salty life is lived in genuine community. A salty life is lived in genuine community. Let me ask you a question today. Um, just to answer it, just right where you are. Um, how many people really know you? How many people really, outside of your spouse or those who live at your house, how many people really know you? And guess what? I don't mean by that. I don't mean um, those people who just just know your name, or who follow you on social media and just kind of know you right here. I mean, how many people really know you? Like genuinely know you, who know your weaknesses, know your struggles, they know the successes of your life, they maybe know some things that you're not as proud of, how many people know what you're praying for right now, um, and who know where you're trying to grow, personally, spiritually, how many people know you like that? See, one of our favorite phrases is the exchange, and if you've been here for five minutes, you've heard it, is that we weren't meant to to do life alone. Like, we literally believe that the Word teaches that God designed us. He created you and me, introverts, extroverts, doesn't matter what your past is, what your faith story is. He created you to live in genuine community with other people. In fact, like this week, I was having a conversation um, with a man who's part of our church family, been here with us for a long time. And he said, Brian, you know, I don't know that I really have any true, deep friends that I could just call on and I could confess anything to or ask him to pray for me and something in. You know what he also told me about in that conversation? He talked about how for so much of the last seasons of his life, the last years, he's really run from and rejected his need for genuine spiritual community. But what's really amazing is that over the last few months, and God's really been beginning to do just a really amazing work in his life. And he's beginning to shape him and call him to a place of community. And I've literally watched this guy change this guy's God change this guy's heart. And now he wakes up, man, like every day longing for community with other people, like to grow in faith, to read the Bible with other people, to meet with other men and talk about life and grow together. And how can I pray for you and how can you pray for me? As we talked this week, I just like, man, that's, that's a beautiful picture of what we all need, like of what we were all created for. We were created to live in genuine community, and you can't be salty unless you're sharing life in genuine community with others. And So I just ask you the question that maybe God's already asking you. Who are you living in genuine community with? Like who really knows you? For us as the exchange, if you're kind of new to our family, we do that in a couple of different pockets because it doesn't really happen on Sunday that well, right? A lot of people in this room, we did it again at 9.30, full room, that hour too. two, or you're online, and you may know one or two names, but we have things called life groups for men and women, couples and students. We have even smaller groups called e-groups. Those are just two ways that we encourage everybody to be in community, introverts, extroverts, new to faith, still exploring your faith, been following Jesus for 40 years. We believe you need the power of accountability, care, and love to walk with other people. See, genuine community. Listen to me. Here's a disclaimer because don't, don't, don't miss this part. Genuine community. You know what happens when you merge your life with other people and they get to know you and you get to know them and you're encouraging and praying for one another? You know what it is? It's hard. And it's messy. And it gets a little frustrating sometimes. But it's worth the frustrations to find the joy of community, that God created us for it. And so today, I just say, like a salty life. Where is that? Well, a salty life starts with genuine community that you would live in it, that your life would be shared with other people, as Paul says that you would share life and gospel. Go back to Colossians chapter four. Let's read verse seven again. Here's what it says: it says Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother and he's a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Okay, you see the second set of words. He called him dear brother, and then he used this phrase to describe big T. He says faithful minister and fellow servant. Now, we don't know a ton about Tychicus's life, um, but we do see his name mentioned a couple other times in Scripture. Acts chapter 20, if you want to look it up, he's mentioned as one of the men who went with Paul from Rome to Jerusalem to carry an offering uh, to the, the Christians who were there in Jerusalem. Ephesians 6, end of that book Tychicus is mentioned uh, in the closing as the guy who brought that letter, right? We said that a while ago. Now, Paul had witnessed this man's life, and here's how he describes him. He says he's a faithful minister, and he's a fellow servant. So here we go. Here's second truth today. You ready? A salty life is lived as an obedient minister and servant. A salty life, if you're really into that, is lived as an obedient minister and servant. Did you know that if you are a follower of Jesus, and there's a whole lot of y'all, because we live in a good Bible Belt where there's a church on every corner, right? And we're all Christians. There's a lot of y'all who would say, you know, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. And so you know what I would say next phrase of that? Guess what that means you're also? You're a minister. You're like, Hold on, that's people who work at the church, right? No, no. Biblically speaking, a minister is anybody who's a follower of Jesus. Scripture tells us that every believer isn't a pastor, maybe. But every believer is called into ministry. God calls all followers of Jesus to minister to the world and to the church. Ministry and serving with your gifts isn't optional if you're a follower of Jesus. Um, in fact, let me back it with the word so you realize it's not just me. Uh, you were created for ministry. Ephesians 2.10, look at it on the screen. Paul says, for we are God's handiwork. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. To do ministry, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Sometimes people go, I don't know what God wants me to do. Maybe you should ask him. He already got it ready. Okay, Ephesians 2.10. says you've been gifted for ministry. 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Well, I don't really have a whole lot I can do for the. No, yeah, you do. No, if you're in Christ, you got a whatever gift. It may not be strumming a guitar. It may not be preaching, but God's given you a gift to use, And Paul says you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Last verse, you are needed for ministry. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Watch this. Now you, you and me, are the body of Christ. We're the tangible example of Jesus on earth, and each one of you is a part of it. If you're a follower of Jesus, you got it? You are a minister. Welcome in. Put it on your resume. You're a minister. God has equipped you with time and talents and gifts and abilities, but guess what? It's your responsibility and mine to use them, to walk it out. In fact, I'll go so far as to say it this way. It's impossible to be a fully obedient follower of Jesus and just come and sit in church services and never be a part of ministry. Real talk. Not just this church, but like whatever church you're a part of. It's impossible to go, man, I'm fully following Jesus, but I'm just coming to sit and soak. Because God called us to be salty, to be squeezed out, to be ministers in whatever circle with whatever gift God's given us. As the exchange, man, we got dozens of places, all right? You want to know how you walk in ministry? Just come see me. I'll plug you in, all right? Why? Because we want to be a biblical church that walks it out, okay? Salty life is lived as an obedient minister and servant. We're in genuine community. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 4 verse 10. Here's what Paul writes. He says, my fellow prisoner Aristarchus, he sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Here we go, okay? My sister-in-law's dogs, cousins, aunt, all right? Y'all know how that goes. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, he said, you receive instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. All right? Bring him inside. Give him a cup of coffee. Verse 11, Jesus, who is called Justice, okay? Not that Jesus, but this Jesus, who is called Justice, he also sends his greetings. These are the only Jews among my coworkers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort for me. All right? He mentions three more guys. I'm going to give you each them a sentence. Aristarchus, who's been with Paul in Ephesus in Acts 19. You can read about him. Mark. Served with Paul on his first missionary journey, Acts 13. And Jesus, not the Christ Jesus, but Jesus called justice. And unfortunately, we don't know a ton about him, all right, other than he ain't the one. But he meant a lot to Paul. Do You see that? He listed, he said, hey, these three guys, and then he puts a description. He says, these three guys have been with me, that they are the other Jews serving alongside me. And then he used this powerful word in the NIV that I want us to think about. He says, they have been a comfort to me. That's powerful. So they've been a comfort to me. While I've been in prison, while I've been in ministry, man, they've comforted me. So here we go. Here's the third truth. The salty life is lived as a carrier of comfort. A salty life is lived as a carrier of comfort. Can I just acknowledge a reality today? I'm not giving you breaking news, but we live in a broke world. Turn on the news or scroll social for about 42 seconds. And, man, there's, there are people in pain and hurting all around us. Like, you don't, you don't even really have to go looking for it. Like, it'll come looking for you. There's people in, in physical pain, um, and people in emotional pain, people in spiritual pain. And uh, in our place of pain, what do we want? We want comfort. And sometimes that's through words Sometimes that's through acts of love. Sometimes that's through just having a friend. In fact, I don't know everybody in the room today or gathering in this moment, but I'm, I know enough stories in our church family, even dozens of them right now, where when people just need comfort. They're walking through it. All right, That's part of the reason we need Community but we long for comfort in those moments. So here's what I just asked, okay? As we're trying to figure out how do we live salty if you really want that, okay? Um, how do you live salty? Here's my question for you. Are you a carrier of comfort? Like for real, when you step into the conversation or when you come over or when you text or when you call or when you show up at Life Group, like do you walk in and they're like, man, I'm so glad they're here because they bring, they bring comfort. Are you, are you a carrier of comfort? Uh, in fact, I, I've kind of phrased it both ends of the spectrum. I created a little question this week, and I'm just going to throw it out, see how it lands on you. Um, are, you a, are you a carrier of comfort? Are you a creator of chaos? You feel that? We all know somebody, right? We're not the point. We all know some people in our life that, man, when they step into the conversation, they drop into the group text, they walk into the work meeting, It's chaos, right? And um, as I thought about that, like a creator of chaos, what do they do? Well, they bring uh, drama and confusion and conflict and disunity to a situation, sometimes without trying. What does a comforter do, though? Well, a comforter brings peace and unity and compassion and grace and truth to a situation. I just say, like, man, we're... Where are you? Somebody's describing your life. Is it the creator of chaos, or do you carry comfort into situations? There's a really powerful verse that um, Paul wrote when he wrote a letter to the church at Corinth. And I want you to see these verses together. Look at them on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Watch this. It ties right into what we're saying. Praise. Paul says, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father. God is the Father of compassion and the God of all. What does it say? comfort. He's like, man, he holds all comfort. Watch this. Watch this progression. He says, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. Paul didn't say his life was trouble free. He said, but when my life is jacked up, when it's broke, I know the God of all comfort and he comforts me. I can go to him. I can call to him. I can pray to him. And then watch what happens. Paul doesn't go. And it's good for me. But look, watch this. So that, so, that, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You catch that? It's almost like get life and give life. Get comfort and give comfort. But Paul says, I got to know him. I got to know the God of comfort. I don't think Paul just showed up for church on Sunday. No, Paul was pursuing Jesus actively so that the god of all comfort on monday morning he was sprinkling comfort into paul's life on wednesday night man he was grouped up with some other brothers and god's putting comfort into his life and he says i've like got to the place and i'm praying this for you church at corinth and i'm praying this for you exchange that god has comforted me so much i got like a margin i got an excess amount of comfort in my life i got so much that i could give it to you I can pray for you. Your marriage is jacked up. Man, let me tell you about the God of comfort. Because I know him. He's comforted me. May the God of all comfort. Man, that's what it looks like to be salty. Paul ain't all about him. But he's going, God's comforted me. And he's given so much, I can walk it out. A salty life is so seasoned by the presence of Jesus. He's all over him. That he then has the capacity to comfort others. Okay, salty life is lived as a carrier of comfort. Verse 12, let's keep going. Here we go, Colossians 4. Epaphras, who is one of you, and he's a servant of Christ Jesus, he sends greetings. He's always wrestling for prayer er, in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God. Mature and fully assured, verse 13, I vouch for him. That's my boy, I stand behind him. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you. And for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Paul here mentions Epaphras. Quick shout back. Colossians chapter 1, we talked about Epaphras. Why? Because Epaphras is believed to have been the guy who planted the church at Colossae. Remember, Paul's never met him. But Epaphras knows Paul. He knows he's in prison. He knows the believers at Colossae. He's like, hey, let me connect these pen pals. And here we go. So Epaphras is for the church at Colossae. He's for Paul. And he's investing into them. And here's what Paul has seen of Epaphras' life. Did you catch the phrase? He says, he is always wrestling in prayer for you. How good is that? He's, he's wrestling in prayer for you. Alright, here we go. Here's the fourth characteristic. A salty life is lived in persistent prayer for others. A salty life, like the Jesus-filled life that's compelling to others. Man, we live in, in persistent prayer for other people. Epaphras persistently prayed for the believers in Colossae. What did he pray? He didn't pray that you know the mom and, their mom and them would get healthy and well. He probably prayed for that. But here it says he prayed for their faith, and he prayed for their obedience to the will of God. Um, one commentator said it this way: I read it. He says uh, Epaphras grasped what many of us are slow to realize—that the tactics of the Christian battle are born out of the strategy of prayer. So, real talk. Question: You ready? Who are you if you if you try to be salty? Who are you wrestling for in prayer right now in this season? You got somebody? Maybe it's maybe somebody that you love that's in your family, and you're you wrestling with God in prayer. You're praying persistently for them. Maybe for a physical thing they're battling. Or maybe you're praying clarity and provision and wisdom over a situation. Maybe you're praying for their, their spiritual condition. Because they're far from God. Man, it burdens your heart. They don't know him. So you're, like, you're persistently praying for them. In fact, if you're kind of new to our series, y'all remember back on week one? Like we, pulled, we had index cards. Everybody got an index card. And we just wrote down one name or like four names of people that we work with, that we go to school with. And we're like, man, John does not know you. And I'm going to pray for him. And so the goal was that we have all been persistently praying for at least somebody in our life, can I just, like, we're going to end the series today, okay? We're not going to do Salty next week, but I'm just saying, that's a good thing to do, like, pray for other people, wrestle for them in prayer, not just because the preacher's doing the Salty series, but, like, just because it's Tuesday and I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for my brother, I'm praying for my sister, I'm praying for my, work, my coworker, that we would walk that out. A salty life is lived in persistent prayer for others. Now, there's five last verses that I want us to read with one last truth and one last thing we're going to do. Don't miss this. This is so rich, all right? So we're about to finish the letter. We're going to land it right here. Here we go, verse 14. Paul says, Our dear friend Luke, like that Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, 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 the doctor, and Demas, they send their greetings. Hey, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Memphis and the church that meets in her house. And after this letter has been read to you, see that it's also read to the church or in the church of the Laodiceans and that you, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. Um, Verse 17, uh, tell Archippus, see, see to it that you complete the ministry that you've received from the Lord. Like, let him hold you accountable. Make sure you do what we talked about. And then verse 18, Paul signs off and he says, Hey, I, Paul, with this greeting in my own hand, remember my chains and grace be with you. Man, as I read that this week, I was really kind of struck um, at the fact that Paul didn't really ask for anybody to pray for his physical situation that he was in chains because he was preaching the gospel. He didn't ask nobody to pray for that until really, like, what, the last phrase of the whole letter. <laughs> he's like, man, let's, let's pray for people who don't know him. Let's pray that the word would go forth. And then he's like, hey, and I, I am still in chains, man, would you pray for that? Paul lived this, like, selfless life because he was so seasoned by the presence of Jesus. And Paul mentions a few other people as he closes out this letter, but I want, what I want you to see, one phrase, was verse 16. Paul said this. He says, after this letter has been read to you, church at Colossae, see that it is also read in the church at Laodicea. And did you catch what he said? He said, then also make sure you get their letter and you read it. Now, here's what I'm saying. Paul's sitting in a prison cell And we don't know how glamorous that prison cell was, but I'm just going to go not very much at all. And he's not going, hey guys, man, I'm whining, I'm complaining, get me out of here. But Paul's heart, all letter long, has been burdened, it's been broken for the church at Colossae, for the church at Laodicea. In fact, like he writes a letter. Remember what I said back at the beginning today? Like They carried the letter to what? Four different places. One to Ephesus, one to Colossae, one to Laodicea, and one to a guy named Philemon. Paul's sitting in prison. Come on. He's sitting in prison, and all he can think about is all these other people. So this is it. This is the last truth about, man, what does it look like for us to get salty? A salty life is lived with the heart for all people heart for all people. Um, Church, let's be honest today. I'll at least be honest about me. You can choose if this is you too. Man, it's really easy for me to be burdened for, think about, pray for people who are like me. People like in my household or even a lot of you who are part of our exchange family. Man, I think about you. I pray for you. Um, It's easy for me to, to do life with people who think like me, parent like me, enjoy what I enjoy. It's a whole nother game. When I realize that God's called me to love all people and to have a heart for all people. People who don't look like me, people who I don't jail with, people who may vote differently than me, raise their kids differently than me, live in a different lifestyle than me. But God's called me to be salty. He's called you to be salty if you're in Christ for all people. Sometimes that means some people that you don't maybe jail with next door, or your in-laws, or your coworker. Or another kid who goes to your school, sometimes that also means people on the other side of the world. I don't know if you're aware or really into like a lot of numbers, but we currently live on planet Earth, where they're getting close to eight billion with the B people. And a study I read this week said that close to 3.2 billion of the eight billion are unreached with the gospel of Jesus. Listen, there's more who don't know him, but I'm saying that over 40% of the people on planet Earth right now, they don't even have access to the gospel. Because of physical, political, or cultural barriers, the word can't even get to them. They haven't even heard in the life-changing hope of Jesus, like Bella confessed earlier, because it's not even to them. And there are days where I don't think about that. But God said, man, I'm calling you to be salty for all people. And that all people would come to know the hope that you have. And the reality is that the same God who saves us, the same God who we sang about earlier, look at where I'm standing now. God, you done brought me from over there to right here. Praise to you. That same God calls you and me, if you want to be salty, He calls us to have a heart for all people. And so here's how we're going to kind of take a next step in this moment to try to be salty together. Here's what we're going to do in the next few minutes of our gathering is we're going to obediently, out of Colossians 4, we're going to pray for all people. I'm not going to ask you to get in groups or stand up and pray out loud, but I'm inviting all of you, if you're in Christ, we're going to try to be salty for all people. And so in just a moment, we're going to do our best to pray for all nations of the earth. It's estimated to be around 193 nations right now. We just sit in one of them. We've got today... And we think about names of nations on the screen, God, some of them that we didn't even know how to pronounce or we didn't even know existed, where they are filled with people created in your image to know you. So, God, we just come to you as you season our life with the presence of Jesus. And we come to you today saying, God, would you send out people? Would you send out resources? God, would your spirit move just like it? is in us and our gatherings and our presence and our lives. or that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead be present in 193 different nations so that you might raise up followers of Jesus to know life and hope and truth in you. And God, we pray this today, realizing that you are the God who saves. You are Yahweh. or you are Jehovah. And God, you create people to know you and to follow you. And so God, would you do that?
1: We ask you, we pray to you in that way today in Jesus name, amen. Thank you for joining us online today. As we gather, we sing songs of worship. We center ourselves on the truth of God's word. We encourage one another through community and we do it all so that we might be changed to live more like Jesus. Through our time today, we pray God showed you what it means for you to follow Jesus in your life and to live as the church in the world. We are available and ready to pray for and encourage you as you discover and grow in your faith. To speak with one of our ministry team members or to have someone pray for you, you can text your first name to 601-397-6111 or message us through any one of our social media channels our ministry team would love to pray for you and help you in any way. You can also find reading plans and other resources to help you take next steps in your faith on our website at www.theexchange.cc. As we close out our time today and prepare to scatter as the church, let's speak out our declaration together. We believe the great exchange took place when Jesus who had no sin became sin for us so we could know God. We exist to see people exchange their old life for new life in Christ and live out their purpose. Christ's love compels us to exchange ideas for truth. God's word is our standard. Selfishness for serving, we will serve others. Pleasing for reaching, we will share our faith. Keeping for dispersing, we will make disciples. Forgetting, for celebrating, we will praise God. We are the church.